0: Hello again, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Political Beats, a presentation of National Review. Find us on Twitter at political underscore beats or on Facebook too. search for Political Beats. Also, we ask you to subscribe to our feed for new episodes through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher or TuneIn or head right to nationalreview.com. Listen, enjoy, share, and please leave reviews, especially if you like it. My name is Scott Bertram. Find me on Twitter at Scott Bertram. My tag team partner standing by, as always, Jeff Blair. Jeff, how are you?
1: I have to say I am very grateful to you, Scott, for all those wonderful letters that you've written to me, um, you know, since I've been away in prison. And <laughs> I really can't wait to get home and tell you all about my stay.
0: <laughs> I'm uh, it'll, i I'm just so glad. So glad. We'll see each other soon. It feels so good. feels so good. Again. That's right. At CD on Twitter. And our guest for today's program is Randy Barnett. He's the Carmack Waterhouse Professor of Legal Theory at the Georgetown University Law Center, where he directs the Georgetown Center for the Constitution. Randy, thanks for joining us.
2: It is my honor and privilege to be here. And I just want you to know I just finished listening to I'm Glad as my pump up music to go on to this uh, podcast.
0: Very nice. And you can also find uh, Randy on Twitter as well at uh, Randy. E. Barnett. This program, see, I thought Jeff was going to go a different direction with his little joke. I thought maybe he was going to say, you know, for this episode he's been boning up on both of them, Rob and White. You know, Rob Zombie. (laughs) White zombie. No. This one this one is all about the zombies. And also we'll delve into the work of Argent, the band started by Rod Argent of the Zombies after the zombies broke up, which they broke up before their best album. Don't worry. It'll all make sense down the road. Uh, Before we talk about the zombies, though, we we kick it back to to Randy to tell us a little bit about what he does over at Georgetown University and why he deserves that long title.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm a law professor. I've been a law professor for a long time. I started as a contracts professor before I shifted over to constitutional law, which is pretty much all I do. Um, You can track my career a little bit by the books I published my first monograph was called the structure of liberty justice and the rule of law, which I outline what rights we have as individuals what are natural rights we have and why the rule of law is important, I then published restoring the lost Constitution the presumption of liberty which defended originalism back in 2004 and um, described a theory of originalism as well, Um, and. Then I published um, Our Republican Constitution, Securing the Liberty and Sovereignty of We the People, which is all about the role of judges, because after my involvement in the Obamacare case, having come up with the theory as to why the individual insurance mandate was unconstitutional and having gotten five Supreme Court justices to vote that I was right, we lost the case because, <laughs> because uh, Justice, Chief Justice Roberts uh, decided to exercise judicial restraint. Um, and so this was a book about the proper role of judges in enforcing. constitution it was my answer to the supreme court and my most recent book is uh, an introduction to constitutional law 100 supreme court cases that everyone should know it's a book i've done with josh blackman a young law professor who's my co-author on my case book and in addition to the book we've done 60 we've made a over two years we made a 63 video series to explain all of constitutional law the basics from the founding until today in 5- to 15-minute videos that are accessible to anyone. And if you buy the paperback book on Amazon, you get a scratch-off code good for the videos.
0: That's a deal you can't beat right there, no doubt. And uh, Randy has chosen our band today. As we again go to the zombies and two bands, Argent. In fact. two bands, two bands for the price of one. You get the extra videos with the, the book. You get an extra band with today's episode of Political Beats. Randy, uh, we throw the floor back open to you to tell us why you love uh, the zombies and Argent, uh, how you got into them and why anybody else should care about this music
2: well i'm glad i'm happy to do it uh do so uh as jeff knows i was kind of heartbroken when you guys did elo um in an earlier podcast because that had probably my favorite band who i've seen a couple times in person at radio city and in philadelphia uh in their current iteration um and so when you asked me when jeff asked me to be on the show i had to pick another band and i decided on the zombies and I'm so glad I did uh, for reasons I'm about to explain. But I picked the Zombies because I've heard them live as well at Ram's Head in, in Annapolis. I was actually supposed to hear them on a rock and roll cruise in 90s, a flower power rock and roll cruise that my wife and I take every year, but that got canceled in March. They were due to play for the first time. Um, and I became a big fan of theirs more so than even when I was a kid, having heard them perform live. And I wanted to do a show about a live band. And it was by listening to them live that I discovered a lot of zombie songs, and a lot, especially the newer stuff and Argent songs, because I don't think I necessarily knew that Argent was connected up with the zombies until I saw them play together. Uh, Rod Argent, of course, has rejoined the group. Um, and the reason why the group um, uh, means a lot to me is that it appealed to two sel- two p- parts of my childhood. Yeah, You guys are used to having guests on who talk about how they discovered the group you're going to talk about from their dads cassettes, (laughs) their dads albums and stuff. Yes, I'm the dad here. (laughs) Um, I'm the granddad, actually. Um, I discovered all this stuff when I was a teenager and in junior high school is when the zombies hit big. Um, and you know, the first... irony, the irony, Randy, of course,
1: is that actually
2: our last guest, uh, just last time we did the show, was Mark
1: Davis, who was also a, a similarly an old, just like you, and he talked about <laughs> how like I got those Paul McCartney albums on the racks when they came out, and I got into Leonard Skinner like before the before the plane crash happened and stuff like that. So you're not alone, just so you know.
2: I know, I know, but we're dying out, so you got to get us while you can. <laughs> um, so um, at any rate, I I listened to, when I was in junior high school. I was in a band, uh, a my grade school band. And uh, we were very well, we were very good. Uh, we toured the Midwest. We played the New York World's Fair in 1965. We played Madison Square Gardens, the old gardens at the Kiwanis International Convention. We did a lot of pop stuff. We did classical stuff. We toured the Midwest at, at state fairs, county fairs. We played the Wisconsin Spectacle of Music. And I had a crush on a girl who was in the band who played flute. And when she's not there, but it was a completely unrequited. Nothing ever happened. The the highlight of this relationship was when I got to sit next to her in the darkened bus coming back from a gig. That was the closest ever anything ever happened came to happening with her. And this, you know, and the zombies wrote this this song, She's Not There. Um, and I didn't realize this song spoke to me at the time, and, and I always associate this song with this girl.
3: Well no one told me about her the way she lied well, no one told me about her how many people cried. But it's too late to say you're sorry. How would I know? Why should I care? Please don't bother trying to find her. She's not there.
2: Um, and I didn't realize until I started preparing for this show that almost all their songs are about unrequited love, boy loses a girl. Um, uh, it's really, it fits me to a T. Um, so that was the, that's how I first got to know the zombies. They meant a lot to me for that. And then Argent, totally independent, it was when I was uh, in college. I, started, I bought the third and fourth Argent album that we'll talk about, uh, which I still love. And I played those songs to death. In college, and that was '70s album rock. So we went from '60s Beatley type stuff, and we'll talk about all the influences that these songs actually manifested uh, to '70s rock. So this these these two bands span my my childhood into my adolescence, uh, including the period of time in which I was in a rock band, starting in junior high school with some of my fellow bandmates, um, and into high school. Where uh, we played all kinds of gigs and we had a great set list. We didn't play any zombie songs, and I don't know why. I I I was I was the front man singing before my voice changed, so I think I could have actually (laughs) hit the high notes back then, but I think maybe it was because we didn't get a keyboard player Mm -hmm. until high school, and um, a lot of the zombies songs depend on the keyboard. So. So that so that was it was called the Royal Knights. I got to do a shout out to my fellow bandmates, especially Keith Southwick, who I still communicate with on sa- Facebook. He and I formed the band. He was our drummer. Bruce Goble was our bassist. Billy Eskew was our lead guitar player, and his brother Bob drove us to our gigs in our, his Ford Falcon. He was your buddy, I assume. Right? Yeah. Well, he was the big guy. He could drive and he could drink. Um, and uh, and then Jim Reed became our keyboardist in in uh, in high school. So that was the Royal Knights. Um, and so that's why I picked the zombies. And here's the reason I'm so glad I did. And I'm glad it's not ELO. I'm so glad I didn't get ELO because I know ELO really, really well. I would not have learned anything. I would have just listened to them and talked about them. But I got to discover the zombies for myself in the last four days, five days. I've just been in the 1960s heaven. I've been in zombies heaven, which is the title of their uh, their anthology. And I've just been re- learning learning these songs for the first time. And I'll say one more thing about that, Jeff. Knows from a week ago, I I, I was texting him how that the, the disc one of this anthology just didn't do anything for me. Um, it was just too bad, and boy was I wrong about that because this was just like when you're a kid and you get an album from one of your groups that you like, a new album, and you listen to, going, oh, that's not so good. I mean, what, what's up with that? And then you play it again, then you play it again, then you play it again, then you realize this is so much better than the other stuff was. I love this stuff, and I am now in love with the zombies originals the stuff they wrote not the cover stuff but the stuff they wrote that's on disc one and if i hadn't been invited on this program i never would have known that stuff existed I
3: never heard me like before oh, yeah. you're not teaching
1: Zombies. When you say the name, you, you think of, of course, inevitably, you think of all those other br- those bands that came out of like the first flush of the rebirth of rock and roll in the '60s. Like you think of like the one-hit wonders, the Zombies. Well, that must be like the Troggs, or you know, the you know the. The Standells, or you know, Mouse in the Traps—you you just assume that like they—they'd be one of those bands that's on like a box set, like Nuggets. Because they're just one-hit wonders, and uh, you couldn't be more wrong. That's the thing about the Zombies. Uh, the thing about the Zombies is that you know, they were inducted in. Just last year, I think, into the Rock and Roll Hall
2: of Fame. And you yep. might have been forgiven for thinking, like, man, they're, they're just running out of bands. To end it was two, 2018 on their fourth try, apparently.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you would think, you would think, like, oh, well, the zombies are getting to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, I guess, you know, they're, they're basically scraping the bottom of the barrel now. They're not. The zombies were one of the greatest and one of the most weirdly and unfortunately neglected bands of the entire Decade of the 1960s. It, san- it sounds maybe a little strange to say that for a group that had three big hit singles in America, uh, including you know a, one number one hit in Time of the Season, uh, and yet almost everything that they recorded, the entire actual released discography, is top. Material, yeah. I guess we don't really need to, you know, give too much time to their cover of "You Really Got a Hold on Me." Okay, it was like during that era, where every British band had to have a few embarrassing (laughs) blues covers in their repertoire, or Motown songs, or things like that. But their self-written material is so stunningly moving and mature for its age. Remember, these are kids—kids from like, I think they're from St Albans, (laughs) which is, you know, like they—they these are, you know, this is there's a fine well-hallowed british tradition of like you know prep school kids starting bands it's basically the same way that genesis got their start too they went to like a like a nice tony private school and you've got a guy like their drummer is a guy named hugh grundy he literally looks like he should be hosting some erudite bbc political (laughs) talk show i mean or you know like some reboot of firing line you know like no hi my name is hugh grundy you know like exactly these guys you like these modest and sort of like you know nice well well uh well scrubbed kids and they came together and formed a fantastic band and that that bond between them actually ended up you know continuing on after the zombies ended the zombies are a band that ended because they never seem to be able to make it. Like, like the, the horrible irony is that Time of the Season, which is the big hit single that they had at the end of their career, only became a big hit single after they'd already broken up and after the album that it was a part of had already failed in the charts. Uh, this is a group that is based around simply... Uh, you know, Piano songwriting this is not a guitar band. I don't think there's a single guitar solo on a zombie <laughs> song. If there is, it's probably not something that you really want to remember. This is a band that is about chords. It's about theory. It's about just building the elements of a wonderful song and then really trying to figure out you know, what, what are some beautiful and thoughtful lyrics that go with these things.
3: Just drifting slowly through a crowded street, with neon darkness shimmering through the haze. A sea of faces rippling in the heat, and from that nameless changing crowd, a sweet vibration seemed to fill the air. flowers resting
1: As a result, what you have is a discography in their original form in the 60s. While it's short, it just is almost, it's like a diamond. Basically, there's a few flaws in this diamond. Okay, it's not it's not like a perfect diamond, but it's very close to one. And that everything they did is worth hearing, and everything they did is worth having, which is why, of course, that that box set of their Zombie Heaven is so great. And then, boom, flip the script. What happens next? The Zombies break up, and then you have Argent. Argent is prog rock. It's basically Rod Argent saying, "Well, we you know we seem to we we, we couldn't make it as a pop band because nobody liked our music, and of course, time would prove that wrong." Uh, so now that we're playing like, you know, neo-progressive art rock, and it's also a fantastic band because Rod Argent and Chris White, who were the, the songwriting axis of the zombies, were still fantastic songwriters. And Argent was a fantastic performer. So you have two incredibly worthy bands that I think to most people, they're treated as sort of like this weird, quiet footnote or. This is the way it is for me. If you're a music snob, then you know this You know this routine down cold. There's always going to be like that fellow music snob you meet in college who's going to come up to you and hand you like an album and say, like, you've got to listen to this. This is one of the great lost albums. It's amazing. Your, your mind is going to be blown. It's happened to me like seven or eight times. Um, this is the only one that actually blew my mind like that. This is the one. Zombies, Odyssey, and Oracle is the album that actually – just rocked me back on my heels and made me think, wow, this is a lost gem, this is a lost masterpiece. had so much other great music both you know with the zombies and with Argent that it, it makes me really happy to talk about them today
0: and for me uh, I'm relatively new to you know how I knew Argent was well hold your head up of course but as being one of those bands on classic rock radio in which they played only one song from the band so when the DJ would would tease hey we got uh we got some stuff for the Beatles and Argent coming up in the next uh, segment you knew exactly what song was coming up because there was only one possible song from Argent they would play. Uh, <laughs> right. So, uh, diving back into that band uh, during the course of, of listening and then the Zombies, um, I, you know, the, my, my cool college music nerd friend handed me Love and Forever Changes, which is not a bad thing at all. But. I sort of, kind of wish he accidentally, uh, actually would have handed me Odyssey an article because it's a better album. I mean, I certainly am happy that I know love and and uh, and the songs on that album, but uh, but the the Zombies album is is better. And as Jeff said, from the first, from that first song, man, I was I was mowing the lawn because last weekend and going through the uh, the box set. And then and uh, Jeff had had gone to Twitter to praise Care of Cell Forty Four to the high heavens. And I don't think I had, I don't think I had heard it. And so I'm on the, uh, I'm mowing and of course I can't see what songs are playing. I'm just listening through and Care of Self 44 comes on and I, I, I knew as soon as it started, oh, this, this has to be the song Jeff was talking about. And of course it is. We'll talk far more about that song later but the the influences here which we'll talk to uh, talk about in in a moment some of the 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 singles that didn't dent the charts there's one in particular i want to mention that i just cannot believe was not you know a smash hit for this i've got like six i want to mention in particular um and and then you know they by and large often were, were simply a little ahead of their time um in terms of some of some of the things they were doing some of the patterns they were playing with, and nothing is better a better testament to that than the fact that their biggest song, I think their biggest charting song, uh, was a hit after they broke up, but after what a year or so after the album was actually released. Uh, like they say in Back to the Future, I guess you just weren't ready for that yet. But but wait a while, maybe your kids, or at least you know a year or two from now. So it's a it's a great it's a great story. It's a, it's a great band, great bands that we'll talk about on today's show.
2: Well, Speaking of uh, influences, I think Rod Argent summed it up perfectly in two sentences. Here's what he said. We just thought we were copying the Beatles or Elvis or Buddy Holly or the Everlies, things we liked. But because our own voice came through and things were lucky enough to gel, it became distinctive in its own right. It's a magical process.
1: I mean that really is the way it happened. And the thing about the zombies is you, you hear that unique voice of theirs – whether maybe he recognized it or not right from the start of their career so like what's the difference between the zombies and say like for example the Beatles or any number of other like you know uh, Mersey Beat or like British Invasion bands well the thing about them is that that heavy emphasis on keyboard so what's the first thing that you hear on the first zombie song of all time it's Rod Argent's electric keyboard on She's Not There and it's a pop song that is very different from the normal like attack it's not my generation by the who it's not like you know she loves you yeah 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 it's a subtle snaky groove and then what is what is colin blundstone their lead singer what does he say is well no one told me about how the way she lied it's uh jazzy it's dark it plays in minor keys it doesn't just leap to the front and slap you in the face it insinuates its way into your brain and uh this of course was their first song their first big hit probably their i think to this day i mean it's either this or time of the season that is the most famous song of their entire career and uh what a way to begin a career like that
2: yeah it, it, when they played that song uh for a radio show called jukebox jury in britain george harrison was the guest uh, was a guest on that show and his reaction to it when he first heard it was, well, it's really very, very good. Very well done, zombies. Thumbs up. <laughs> um, it, I, I think one of the things that sig- I think uh, jo- Jeff already mentioned, the thing that's that really characterizes these zombie songs and made them different in which they realized that this was true is their use of the minor key. They keep shifting from major to minor. Uh, it's not something that's often done in rock and roll bands. Um, uh, as well as adding separate bass and uh, bass and keyboard solos in two minutes and 25 seconds. It's mm-hmm. amazing what they fit into two minutes and 25 seconds.
0: she's not there and the other two songs that that really charted for them tell her no and uh time of the season all have that sort of shuffle off kilter rhythm that jeff was talking about they all sort of share that that quality uh, along with the the jazzy flute. i wrote down jazzy a lot in my notes uh clearly uh from argent's playing and the way some of these songs are are constructed uh but you know she's not there wonderful vocals from colin Bloomstone uh, which will be a quality of a lot of these songs that that opening that, that jeff went through and you also have that that real crisp drum snap that starts off the song um and ron argent wrote this one it was their first single it got them a record deal uh and it really got the band going
1: I mean, I think I the story is that he just wrote the the first verse and the chorus, and he played it to like Ken Jones, who was there, who was would go on to be their producer. Ken Jones also would go on to be David Bowie's producer. He's the guy who produced the Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and Hunky Dory and a lot of other classic albums. And Jones just said, "All right, you're signed. You got a deal. That's a hit." <laughs> Just write the rest of it now, <laughs> so that 's what he did. He went home and he wrote the rest of it and threw in that great piano solo, that keyboard solo in the middle of it, again, yeah, jazzy, not the kind of things the guitar solos is what you heard in, in like mid' '60s pop songs. instead, this is a keyboard solo. It just it, it was it was a left turn from everything else that was going on on the charts in that year.
2: By the way, I never knew how to pronounce. Collins' last name, and I was listening to the BBC interviews on one of the on disc three, I guess it is, or maybe it's just four of the set. And the way the D, the, B, the, the BBC interviewer pronounced his last name was Blunston. I, I you know what?
1: I thought I was <laughs> I always thought it was Blunston myself, but then again, I'm one of these guys who's been mispronouncing words his entire life because I just <laughs> read them on the page That's and I right. never figure out what people actually say. Um, so you think you know she's not there. Great song. They actually release a second single that isn't that good. It's called Leave Me Be. It kind of, it's everything I think that if you could identify a weakness in the zombies discography, there's there's sometimes a tendency towards wispiness. Hmm. Uh, you know, sort of like, you know, it's, it's a, a too light, too airy, too fragile. And of course, that, you know, Colin Blunston has that very, um, very breathy voice of his, so I don't think it's a good. It's probably their least successful single of the entire career that they had. But then, of course, the one that they do next is another incredibly famous song. Just tell her no, and I think somebody actually counted up like how many times is the word no said in that song? It's like seventy-five times or something like that. No, 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 no. But again, just like a ridiculously memorable hook for the chorus of that
2: it's a great sequel to she's not there because she's not there she he loses the girl he never gets the girl actually and in tell her no he's got the girl but she uh, is gonna Looking. go with somebody else yeah. and he's now he's now <laughs> warning off he's warning off another guy don't don't take your uh don't take her love you know because she's gonna hurt you she's gonna hurt me uh she belongs to me but but just don't hurt me now is what he's saying to another guy i know she's a girl.
3: Just remember she said that to me
1: They're two big hit singles opening the career. Some of the most negative songs. That can <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just like negation all throughout. She's not there. Tell her no. <laughs> but of course, you know they're
0: fantastic, Scott. The chorus, you know, which is the the no 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 no, and then you just have uh, Blunston just sort of moaning a bit to start the chorus right before. Uh, before uh, warbling a few words in there, the, the range of styles from these first singles is is, is very impressive. And "Tell Her No," especially, I, I think I might like a bit more than she's not there. Even uh, just incredibly tight vocals, instruments, uh, instrumentation, um, and 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 uh, Randy already talked about some of the lyrics. Yeah, don't don't hurt me now. Her love belongs to me. It's uh, uh yeah, it's a different kind of emotion.
1: I mean. That's a pretty great way to to bring us into which is okay. Here's the weird thing about the Zombies' career: they were a band for from 1964 to 1968, and yet there are only two albums. It's a very strange thing. There, there's 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 a first album, then there's a bunch of singles which are fantastic, and all of them failed. Yeah. Um, and then there's Odyssey and Oracle. But that first album, it, it, it's strange. It's always treated a bit like the redheaded stepchild of the Zombies' discography because it is. Of a piece with a lot of other British invasion bands' material, where you yeah, know, like the, to think of like n- not just the Beatles, but like, say, if you've ever picked up an early Hollies album, Hollies are a pretty great band, by the way. But if you ever pick up an early Hollies album, you'll find them doing uh, vaguely embarrassing covers of Motown and blues songs. And in fact, some of the same songs that the Hollies cover here. So, like, there's like the obligatory uh instrumental track that's just the band playing. Well, it's actually not a bad song i kind of like work and play Uh, and then of course yeah there's like can't nobody love you and sticks and stones will break my bones and you really got a hold on me i got my mojo working that's probably the single most embarrassing song in the (laughs) zombies
2: discography i don't care i i don't care if rod's mojo was working or not
1: (laughs) yeah but it won't work on you and god they, they just sound so like they sound like British school kids when they're doing that. They're squawking. I got my mojo in the background. It's it's pretty. It's it's kind of almost fun because it's so goofy. But it's not a great song. Uh, but the secret on began here, which is the first Zombies album, is that the self-written songs are actually really good. And you know, they get kind of get mined, I think, at times in random places for soundtracks, uh, because you know. People don't know this material, and you can get a surprise out of somebody by just like dropping the way I feel inside into a movie. Uh, you know, you, you're watching a kids' film like Sing, which is about like animals doing um, like talent shows, and all They're of a sudden, to save see- the theater, Jeff. What'd you say? They're trying
0: to save the theater, right? They They're trying the to the save theater.
1: the theater. They're doing like a variety show to save the theater. And then all of a sudden you see a gorilla on a street corner singing The Way I Feel Inside. <laughs> and I'm sitting there with my little kid next to me. And I'm like, holy crap. I know that song. Where did that come from?
3: But till I can see that you'd really care for me. I will dream that someday you'll be really close to me. I can tell the way you smile If I feel that I could be certain then I would say the things I want to say tonight But till I can see That you'd really care for me I'll keep trying
1: to hide
3: the way I feel inside
1: uh, there are a lot of really good gems hidden on this, even though it has that feel of like, you know, school children out on a holiday and it's a bit amateurish.
2: Well, I'm going to stick up for one cover song. I don't like their covers. I totally agree with you, Jeff. One cover song I do like Can't Nobody Love You. Um, uh, when they played that song on their first tour, apparently it blew the audience away in New York. Uh, it's not, they didn't expect the British band to play a song like that. And I've heard them play that live, it still <laughs> is great live. And um, it's going to be the one song off the live album we talk about live in the UK that I'm going to, you know, urge us to drop in and 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 take a listen to, because it's the only uh, cover that's not one of their big hits. You'd rather just listen to the originals or the big hits, but th- it, it's really a great song to show off Colin, and I think it stands on its own.
0: I'm not sure there's uh, I'm not sure there's any originals here that I like as much as. The first two singles or the singles that are come, going to come after, or especially, of course, what's on Odyssey and Oracle, it doesn't mean that they're not without quality. Jeff already mentioned The Way I Feel Inside, which is the first time I heard it, again, mowing the lawn. I thought it was an outtake or something that was not part of an album because it's essentially you know, a cappella for what, three quarters of the song before organ and, and bass sort of jump in you have the 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 footsteps uh footsteps footsteps stepping up to the microphone to start and then walking away with a coin dropping on the ground after it after it ends um the one that i really like on here is i remember when i loved her yes another
1: another one of those very minor key dark gloomy rod argent
0: songs very melancholy uh there's an organ a very spooky kind of echoed echo filled organ uh maybe almost an eastern influence there's a, a, like a tambourine that, that keeps recurring through i remember when i loved here that's probably my favorite here on the album
3: she seems so cold to me and i remember when i loved her she, she seems so cold I I Can't
0: Make Up My Mind is a a white song that uh, uses a 12-string guitar riff pretty effectively. Uh, And there's a few songs for the early singles that pop up here on the album form. Uh, What More Can I Do is on here. She's Not There and Woman are All On. This this proper album But again It's about half Or might be exactly Half covers So the original material Is Is uh, is just sort of Dropped in throughout
1: I say one cover I do really like On this album That does deserve To be like You know Focused on Is their version Of Summertime And again It was one of the Most early things That they recorded uh, It's You know The song from Uh what is it? Showboat? I can't remember which Broadway that's uh, right. musical it's from. You know, Summertime and the Living is Easy. And again, this is you know, the difference between them and the other bands that they were doing. It, it is a, um, it is you know, it's a smooth, jazzy number. Something that like a lot of these other bands would not have had. You know, the Gall or the Stones, frankly, to, to try to attempt <laughs> and. Colin sings that really well because that's a song that I've seen slaughtered I mean this is this, this is a song when you were in high school and there were girls who were like, getting up on stage and showing, "Oh, I have this really powerful vocals they would oversing the hell out of it and it would just be so embarrassing to see them trying harding, try harding you know and uh, instead you have this very subtle, very breathy, very seductive vocal take on it by by Colin and I think it really works well
3: It's summer and the living is easy. The busy are jumping and the cotton is high. Your dad is rich and your mama's good looking. Won't you hush, pretty baby? Don't.
2: stick up for two of the original songs the first one uh i do agree i remember when i loved her i almost put that on my top five it didn't make it at the end of the day but i almost put that on my top five it's a slow haunting ballad by colin really nice bridge um that now we are strange no more in love i just love that song and uh the other one is she's coming home which is um Uh, Like a Motown song, it could have been a Motown song sung by. It could have been a song sung by any of the girl groups, Uh, but it's got like an Animals kind of melody in the middle. There's an awful lot of songs that do kind of are reminiscent of Eric Burden and the Animals, and here I think it's useful to mention that the Zombies were actually influenced by the Crystals and the Shirelles. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how they actually started. it, from the very beginning using sharing a mic so they could do harmonies together in the back of the stage here's what rod says about this he says from the beginning we'd we'd hook up we could hook up another mic at the back of the stage and Chris and I used to sing harmonies into that quite really quite similar what the Beatles were doing but with no knowledge of them we got it from the same place the charelles and the crystals so it's kind of cool that when they first, had their this their story at the beginning, by the way, really really tracks that thing you do only about a British band. <laughs> uh, if they had been a one-hit wonder with "She Loves You," this would have been this. It would have been the movie. So they get signed to Decca, they get flown over to join this tour already in progress in the U.S., and they hit the tour in New York with all these rhythm and blues like Little Anthony and the Imperials, and they they do going out of my head cover that song in tribute to him, um, and they and Patti LaBelle and the rest of these groups and. Uh, and so they're touring with this, with all these groups, and they're the one-hit wonder, the new, fresh, you know, thing on the block. Kids, the, on the British block. sound
1: comes to America.
2: That kind yeah, of in this, thing. Tu- uh, in this tour, you know, in, and then in, in this tour that's going from place to place, and they pick up a lot of the stuff, uh, this R and B and the Motown song from the actual Motown artists they're touring with.
1: I mean, she's coming home to me. Actually, uh, is. I always associate with the beginning of their singles era, which is to say, like after Begin here, you have this period. This is this is one of the most bizarre losing streaks I'd say <laughs> in, in the history of 60s pop music. Yeah. And I say that because okay, you have a se- sequence of singles. The, 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 apparently, they, because they weren't selling, none of these singles are selling. They couldn't even get it together. Like the the label wasn't interested in letting them record another album. So all these are like non-album singles, which is why you know some people say like, well, what's the real essential Zombies album? For Odyssey and article it's it's singles A's and B's, you know, which is just collects their A's and B sides from this lost era. But every one, every single one of these singles, which are all written by, uh, I think actually going out of my head is the only one that isn't written by them. Um, these are amazing songs, and it is it perversely, it, I. To this day, I do not understand why they didn't sell. Now, you can say, like, oh, this wasn't great for the American market. Oh, this wasn't great for the British market. I don't believe that. I think every one of these songs, from She's Coming Home all the way up to uh, uh, Going Out of My Head and Gotta Get a Hold of Myself at the end of that run, are just one of the most ridiculous winning streaks that is actually a losing streak. I mean, this is essentially the reason the zombies broke up, is that they put out all this fantastic work and None of it sold a single copy and then they said they went all in on Odyssey and Oracle saying, Well, if this doesn't sell then then we're gonna break up and then that didn't sell too. But when you go back and you look at it, you just like one of the greatest missed opportunities for people back then to have heard this stuff. I I I I
2: get Yeah, not only only that, but other groups covered their songs. Right. and made big hits out of them, and they didn't. And they and they were either, they either, their cover either sounded just like the Zombies played it, or they weren't as good as what the Zombies did. with a, With the exception of a Dusty Springfield song that they wrote for Dusty Springfield, I like her version better. Um, but Being fair, man. <laughs> it, it's it's uh you know it, it is it is stunning. I, I listen to these songs. They're hits, Jeff. They're hits. They're not loser tracks. They're hits.
1: I mean I think of like she's coming home, you know, it goes it opens with that big Motown kind of a swing. Boom, 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 cha ja, boom, 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 ba. You could almost hear like, you know, the Supremes doing that kind of a song. And that's clearly like what they were inspired by. They're going for that Motown groove on that song. Uh why was that not, you know, on the radio twenty four hours a day in nineteen sixty five? I have no answers. Scott, do you do you know what went we're on? I sure as hell don't.
0: As Randy said, it's not as if the songs weren't successful. Uh, I Love You, which is a, a B-side, uh, I think, of Whenever You're Ready, which we can talk about in a bit. It's a great song. Um, was a hit for the people in 68, like two years later. Um, and essentially the same, you know, it's the same arrangement. It's not as if you wouldn't know one if you knew the other. And, and one band gets it on the charts, the other doesn't. I love you. I love you.
3: I love you. Yes, I do, Won't come And I don't know What to say I should tell you I love you I do My words should explain But my words won't come I shouldn't hide My love deep inside My words should explain But my words won't come I should tell you Just how I feel And I keep trying But something I try to tell you I love you I love you I love
0: you Yes, I do The one from this period I, I just have to praise uh, Is this the dream? I, I I, don't... I can't understand why this wouldn't hit the charts in a big way. It's got everything you could ask for. Right? It, it's got that Motown drive. It's a bunch of fun. Um, you know, that the, the, the baby, baby baby right into the chorus Uh, a real powerful strong chorus the the backing vocals on that the the hey 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 through the verses uh this wonderful dirty electric piano break from rod argent Uh, this uh, wonderful descending bass line in the pre-chorus i mean what is there not to love about is this the dream this is the song along with care of cell 44 that's going to stick with me a really long time after this episode, Is This the Dream is a perfect pop song and deserve to be a smash hit for the zombies.
3: This is a dream I better warn you now Someday you'll find yourself alone And life's not pretty then It's ugliness will hide the sun
2: I want you back again. I mean, uh, it's a great song. It's very jazzy. I can see. I can actually see why this one might not have made it. But look, a lot of crazy, like sweet pop songs, were making it. By Mm -hmm. everything wasn't hard rock that was making the charts. And this is another song they still do live. They still do it great uh, live. And uh, uh, it's got "I want you back again." Ooh, 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 ooh. I want you back again. It's just it's just a great uh, showcase for, uh, for Colin. It's pretty,
1: also pretty tricky drum line too. I have to say like nobody, yes. Yes. When, when you're asking, when you're asking like, well, we the top, you know, pop and rock drummers of the 1960s. No one's going to name Hugh Grundy, right? In fact, nobody <laughs> knows who he is except us. But, um, dang i really love the way he plays a really tight jazz shuffle fill on that that is not simple stuff that is that is not i actually you know keith moon obviously one of the most fantastic drummers of of rock history he couldn't play that there's no no chance in hell he would ever (laughs) have been able to play that just because the, the, the discipline required to do it is beyond him
3: somebody help me I gotta eat. Somebody help me to stand on my feet. I want you back again. Oh, 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 I want you back again.
2: What's kind of Funny, funny about? Grundy is the way he tells it you know he started off He just you know they just said you want to play the drums and he said I'll try to play the drums he didn't have a drum kit they're using band instruments that they had uh, You're using
1: like biscuit tins and things like
2: that yeah. Yeah. so but by the time he, by the, he said by the time they did all these tours where they would just play play you know play, time concert after concert he got to be a good drummer he, he learned what he was doing on tour is what it was yeah. what happened to him you,
1: you just you throw you into the fire there are so many, okay, it's, it's, this is almost going to be sort of like the grab bag thing because there's so many of these great non-album singles and B-sides that uh, I, I just want to sell you on, I'm with the fervor of a zealot, I just like literally want to thrust them into your hands physically um, but for me what, what, what the one I would focus on, it's going to be uh, indication for sure, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes okay. absolutely. this is, this is like a weird psychic freak out song again like so you know they record is this the dream you know nice great motown pop song doesn't make it so they say, all right well mm -hmm, let's let's just let's let's spaz out and like you give them the psychedelia that they're asking for and then that doesn't work either but this song is amazing it starts off with this like very kind of simple like organ line from argent and then boom Colin comes in singing, you know, at the top of his lungs, and then the five-part harmonies. Every other zombie is backing him up, and they, and then you know they have that great chorus. Now I've got an indication I'll hold out against sensation. It's just perfect pop music, and then at the end of it, it turns into like something very weird. Maybe okay, maybe this is why it didn't chart. You have to for each song, you have to like come up with the the special pleading. So, well, why did this one fail? Well, why did this one fail? Well, maybe indication failed on the charts because it ends with this really great kind of psychedelic spaz out on on uh, Arjen's piano. Very, he's playing like a fuzz toned keyboard essentially, and uh, it's crazy. And it becomes it turns into Indian ragga rock actually, and then it just ends on a very like you know suspended note. But I mean that kind of just electricity, the kineticism of that. Uh, e- it's it's one of those things where you hear it the first time i heard it i remember i was like literally standing in the parking lot of a borders books in you know bethesda maryland Uh, this is a very very specific memory this is from my my childhood and i was listening to this and i was like all right well how did i just find this And, and, and why was this not super popular why was this not a hit saying that it's very repetitious for you to listen to me the the listener i apologize for always questioning why were these songs not hits but i figure that when we drop the clips in you'll understand why i'm perplexed um i think the other one i will mention is that i've always loved uh gotta get a hold of myself which is just this very slow kind of almost paranoid song about you know like you know kind of losing your mind I gotta get a hold of myself gotta you know l- get what l- life has to give and again the the harmonies in the background the performance that is you know given by Colin up front it, it's a song that it has no flaws
3: the rings, but there's no one on the line no no no
1: It's it's a perfect song, and I don't understand why it wasn't.
2: I, I totally love that song. I was just about to mention that song. I think it's, it's it sounded to me like a uh, Eric Burden and the Animals sound. Yeah, uh, yeah, But with harmonies, background harmonies that just beat the Animals. I mean, so you've got Burden's voice, which is so different than Colin. So there's a contrast there. But that, but but then you've got these harmonies, and the Animals never sang harmonies the way hmm. these guys did. Nobody did actually. Very few people did.
0: The other one I, I want to sell you on is uh, Remember You, which is uh, a B-side of a song, one of the few songs that Bunston wrote for the group called Just Out of Reach. And remember, remember You, it's hard to say because White wrote so many great songs on Odyssey and Oracle, but boy, I do think Remember You might be my favorite that that he wrote. It's just, th- those melodies are so perfect, um, you know, the if I should change my mind and I do sometimes you know I do sometimes it's just perfect it's a wonderful wonderful song from uh, from from white that he wrote um the, the melody and the way it rises and falls through it it's it's just just perfection
3: and if I should change my mind and I do sometimes you know I do sometimes I'll come back to you In your eyes all the while When I'm thinking back I'll remember Come the day when I'm down My thoughts turn around To when I last saw you I can't forget you
2: I, I totally agree, and let me ask you guys: Did either of you watch Bunny Lake is Missing to prepare for this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I have obviously looked it up in the past, but uh, I've never seen the film. <laughs> I watched it with my I made my I, I made my my parents who are quarantined with us. My mom and my father in law, my wife watched this movie, and so I'm gonna tell you all about it. And I'm gonna is, tell you where. I'm is it any good? <laughs> it is actually a quite a good movie it's an auto <laughs> preminger movie it's kind of a after anatomy of a murder it's a it's a british uh, thri- uh mystery kind of thriller um For those who don't know a- the zombies uh
1: like you know did not the entire soundtrack but they gave several songs to this film
2: and i'm go- and i'm going to explain where they come into the movie too because it's kind of it's just weird the way they, they put them in the movie they're in the movie they get billing and they're in the movie <laughs> so it, it's about it's about this uh this young girl, four-year-old girl, Bunny Lake, whose mother – mother, her mother drops her off at uh, school for the first time. She comes from America to Britain, and she disappears. This four-year-old girl disappears, and the rest of the movie is a search for this young girl, except that the you never see the young girl. And at some point in the movie, it pivots. Sir Lawrence Olivier plays the – the uh, the the detective that's trying to work with the mother, um, and uh, at some place it pivots, and now there starts to be a doubt whether this girl ever existed in the first place, or whether it was she was actually a figment of the mother's imagination. Her mother's an unwed mother, which of course was you know pretty sc- scandalous at the time the movie was written. Um, and did she just make up this girl? Because there's no real evidence that the girl actually existed so some of the movies print trying to the mother trying to prove she actually has a daughter that was taken which is so interesting um, anyway remember these two songs were written for the movie remember you is about the mother remembering her daughter that she still remembers the daughter she remembers the daughter no one else remembers the daughter or even saw the daughter but I still remember you and then just out of reach, Is the search? I think it represents the search for the for the evidence that there was such a daughter. Every time she thinks about something that will prove she had a daughter, she gets there, and that evidence is, for some reason or another, just out of reach. So those what those so those two songs actually mean a lot more, having seen the movie. Okay, now
1: now you. You've made me really want to watch this. <laughs> so fiction, it's a say. good movie.
2: It's it's Otto Preminger, <laughs> and so here's how he got him in the movie. He, uh, they're in. So Lawrence Olivier is consoling the mother, who's now thinks that the police are out. You know, really don't believe her, and so he takes her to a pub to try to and order some. And she hasn't eaten anything. Order some food, and. There's a, a notice comes over the TV over the bar that announces the missing girl. And he says, you know, he's saying to the mother, see, we're taking this very seriously. And then the bartender reaches up to the TV set, turns the channel away from the notice and the zombies are on the TV. And then they play <laughs> the music showing the zombies on TV, on this TV. And then they've ended up playing both these songs in the background. Uh, very, very weird. And I think the, the only thing I can think of as to why it happened is that Preminger, when he made Anatomy for Murder, which is my all time favorite lawyers movie, he used Duke Ellington both to write the score as well as a, he did a cameo um, and played piano uh, with Jimmy Stewart in that movie. So this is uh, after that. And so maybe he decided that having a musical hook was good for the marketing of a film.
1: I also think it's probably pretty telling that, like, you know, if he's like, i got to use a rock band because it's 1965, 66. So he's like, well, what's the smartest rock band I can find out there? He's <laughs> like the zombies. You know, I, I joked about this on Twitter. It's like the zombies, you know, you got to love a band. You know, every single member looks like, uh, like a, a law clerk for the Court of Appeals. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're all like very nicely dressed with, you know, like their glasses and their their neat haircuts and their, their suits. <laughs> so, like, that's the kind of band that Otto Preminger, who's like, you know, obviously, like, a uh you know a, a refugee from germany you know like very old school like you know you know jewish you know old german style It's like no th- this band this band is my kind of a band
2: i think that I can work with that although apparently he didn't like colin Blunstone blunston's uh english accent because he said <laughs> the american audience was never going to understand what he said so he made them he made him pronounce things with an american accent so they would understand <laughs>
1: What's even funnier is if you have the, the zombie heaven box set is that they did, you know, just out of reach, which Randy mentioned. They did a a different version of it to sell the film called Come On Time. Basically saying, like, arrive at the movie theater before the uh the credits roll because you don't want to miss any moment of this incredibly exciting film.
3: Come on
1: time. <laughs> it's the
2: most hilarious thing if you hear it on on the box and it, it isn't it isn't quite as funny when you remember from the day when when I when I was a kid is that's how they marketed movies and that is no one started, will be seated be after exactly. right and starting with Hitchcock I think Hitchcock innovated that idea that you know you, you because so you wouldn't give the idea you are gonna they're gonna lock the doors if you weren't there on time
1: <laughs> because because it's so thrilling if you miss even one moment you won't get the meaning of it. I'm really glad that, by the way, uh, that you guys mentioned. Remember, you as a great B-side to a single, because I I have to say one of my single. This will make my top five for sure at the end of the show. The best zombies B-side of all time. It, it, one of their best songs of all time is "She Does Everything for Me," which is the B-side of "Going Out of My Head." It was the last single they did before Odyssey mm-hmm. and Oracle. Uh, this is a song that I, I I don't really know what to how to describe it except that imagine that you're hit full force in the face with a hurricane that spins you around turns your clothes inside out and uh you know t- you, you find out you're wearing your shoes on the wrong feet at the end of the song you know like left and right it is a sonic tornado of everything that is psychedelic crazy They got rag rock you've got you got, you got, you've I, got I, indian I, tinges
0: i wrote it down it's a kitchen sink record i mean it's a, everything you could imagine they throw at you in some way shape or form and she does everything for me
1: Do you want you want great sounding twangy guitars? You've got great sounding twangy guitars. Do you want insane multi part harmonies? You've got insane multi part harmonies. Do you want just like a crazy again? You know, like uh, a crazy series of verse chorus verses. You've got it. And again, this actually wasn't even a single. This is a b-side this should have been a single i don't even know i guess they probably said well indication
2: didn't sell so we're not going to put this one out um I, my God. I, thought, I totally agree with this i i thought that it would have been a great song for the monkeys to have done very very yeah. up tempo the lighter notes to the song say it could have been an a-side if the group's confidence had been higher there
3: is nothing to say it's all been said
1: that's the sad thing about i mean that's that's the zombie story is that like all these songs were great and they didn't sell and you know to this day everybody just sort of like goes back and looks retrospectively and wonders why uh but that of course leads us to what this is their they're big like you know you win or you bust and you go home move as i said we're going to put together another album and what we're going to do with this album is you know we're it's not a concept album people sometimes refer to odyssey and oracle as a concept album it's not although in some ways i kind of think that it is because if you take away the one song on this record which of course in a perverse stroke (laughs) of insanity was the lead single right that's the Butcher's Tale. It's the one song on the record that doesn't work. It's about like, you know, some kid and like the Western Front in World War
0: One. Jeff, it's the like, kids love anti-war songs. It's gonna be a smash. Don't worry about
1: it. it. That was, this is was Al Cooper's idea. He he <laughs> discovered the zombies or rediscovered them and he said like, you know, when he promoted them in America, he said, put the butcher's Tale out because everybody hates Vietnam, right? Uh that was that was dumb because it's not a good song. But every other song on this record is about lost love and about the sadness of lost love. So in a weird way, it kind of becomes a concept album again without really intending to be one. But what Odyssey and Oracle really is more than anything else, is just one of the finest albums of not only the 1960s, but like you know, we, everyone talks about classic Summer of Love records and things like that. I'll tell you this right now. No joke, I, I think this is a superior album to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I think it's better than that, you know, you know, maybe with a little help from my friends and a day in the life on their own are like better songs. But as a whole, as a record, I would much rather listen to this one. And I think maybe the reason I would is because despite the fact that it's so lush and it's so ornate and there's so, so much beauty that sort of just, you know, effloresces from it. uh, It's a humble album in a lot of ways it's it's an album where people talk about you know you know sitting in in pubs and drinking and Mm -hmm. remembering the girl that left them or, or 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 thinking about like oh that rival who stole you know the lady i love maybe after he's gone i can come back and she'll want me again you know things like that and you know or you know writing like hey you know what maybe this will be our year Maybe this will be our year, and maybe this time we're gonna we're gonna win. We're, 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 gonna, we're gonna take it all back. Uh, this is an album that is both grand and small in the best possible way. This is one of the greatest records I own. I knew her when summer
3: was her crown, and autumn said how brown her eyes. Now. See her walk by, peppermint coat, buttoned down clothes, buttoned up high. Diamonds and stones, hanging from her hand, isn't she smart, isn't she great? I knew her, when summer was her crown, and autumn sat how brown
2: her eyes. On, I, I think this is great to compare it with Sergeant Pepper's because uh, I think that a uh, Rose for Emily is a better song than Eleanor Rigby. They're like the same song. I mean, they're totally different melodically. Guys, you got, you same got you theme. Got,
0: you got to stop. Charlie's gonna gonna cut us off, and then we'll never hear the rest of this episode. <laughs> we, we, we can't go after Sergeant Pepper like this.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. I love I love Sergeant Pepper, but I think this one song is beat. Rose for Emily totally beats Eleanor Rigby. Emily
3: she see there's nothing you can do There's loving everywhere But love for you Her roses are fading now She keeps her pride somehow That's all she has Protecting her from pain And as the years go by
2: I think it uh, would have been better with the cello part. There's another version of it that right. had added the cello part. Uh, that mm-hmm. would have, It would have been more obviously kind of like Sgt. Pepper if it had been there. And then I just want to second the nomination of maybe after he's gone. That song is one of the songs that haunts me uh, from this new discovery, this rediscovery of the zombies for me. It's. Just such a great song, and I have to say that retroactively, retrospectively, it reminds me of a different girl I struck out with. Uh, this time it was in law school, a uh, girl that I had a crush on, all th- infatuated all through college, always had a boyfriend, this girl, so she was never you know op- available. I happened to run into her when I was in law school. She no longer had a boyfriend. We had a big date set up to go out. I show up at her house uh, after playing softball, and I had to take a shower, and guess what? The boyfriend came back. <laughs> <laughs> she had to come into the bedroom to tell me, "I'm sorry, I can't go out with you. I'm in love with this guy. He came back into my life. I'm so sorry." Um, and
1: okay, I, I think it's so funny that I have to tell you, Randy. I have a similar story, and I'm not, and I am not going to get into it because I am still very friendly with this person. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but yes, yeah, I, I remember there was there was a set, many a sad night in college where I would listen to maybe after he's gone and thought about that girl. Maybe
2: <laughs> after he's gone,
1: she'll come back, that and want me again. again. Isn't that just the stupidest thing? I just, I I just
2: but but the thing is. That's 30, how you relate to music this is yeah. 35 years later. And this <laughs> song brings that one back.
1: It's so funny. Also, by the way, I, I can't let a rose for Emily pass without uh, pointing out how weird it is that it's named after that that kind of creepy William Faulkner short story. Did Did anybody else uh, read this when they were in high school? Because I did, and I, I probably did this out of order. Most people maybe come to Faulkner um, later in life. I, I read that because we were assigned it in like my sophomore year of high school, and, and then like you know three years later, I read a rose for Emily, and I'm thinking like, wait, is she keeping the corpse of her dead husband <laughs> okay. there? in the bed with her because that's what happens in the story
2: (laughs) 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 yeah i mean i don't know i guess maybe i'm the only one who got to sign this in class i don't remember
0: reading it no no
2: yeah Um, i will say i will say this about this will be our year i don't think it's a downbeat song i don't think oh no not at all i think it's it's, 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 in fact i was just talking with uh,
1: cam joseph the other day um was a former guest on our show he did a jackson brown
2: episode with us he said like that was our first song at the wedding yeah a
0: a lot of weddings use a lot of
2: weddings when 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 you when you hear the zombies um perform this song live Rod argent will introduce it by saying I apologize to all of you for having heard this song at every wedding you've gone to See, um, <laughs> now I I think it's, it's kind of died out as a wedding song and I'm trying to get my son and his fiance to uh, uh, use it somehow in their wedding in September but <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to be able to sell it but that I'm, I'm in fact I'm, I'm gonna use this podcast to lobby for it once again
3: one, smile, smile for me little one and this will be I Don't have to worry
1: In case you know, for me, it's funny that, 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 of course, there had to be a zombie song at our wedding, because I'm, I'm a huge zombies fan, and, and for me, it was, I want her, she wants me.
0: Well, they're companion pieces, really. Would you say, Scott? They're companion pieces, really. They're... They
1: really are. I mean, of course, they follow each other on the yeah. album. They're back to back. But I mean, it's just, that to me is... Uh, It's funny, This Will Be Our Year is a Chris White song. Chris White's the bassist for the band, by the way. We haven't really mentioned him, but he writes seven out of the 12 songs on uh, Odyssey and Oracle. Uh, He's a great songwriter. And, of course, after the zombies break up, Argent and White become a songwriting team, and they write the songs for Argent. Um, But he just, except for The Butcher's Tale, sorry, Chris, that was a failure. Um, He just kills it on this record. He's an absolute equal to Argent in terms of the caliber of songs that he's bringing. But yeah, Argent writes, I want her, she wants me. Uh, White writes, this will be our year. And they're, they're two sides of the same coin. And the thing I've always loved so much about I want her, she wants me, is that's just the effortlessness of the counterpoint. In the middle age you know, I told me to be careful if I loved her. Ooh, 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 cause she had given her heart once before. And of course, that's only one of the melody lines. There's another one that descends underneath it. Uh, and it's just a beautiful harmony that that represents kind of to me an epitome of of how good the zombies were. It's just like throwing harmonies together that sound effortless, but actually take a lot of thought to put together. You can't chance yourself into this kind of music. You can't, this is not the product of accident. These aren't just like, you know, barbarians that are plunking on their instruments. This took a lot of thought.
3: doesn't have to worry I would not make her sorry With nothing on my mind and Life seems kind of I want her, she wants me I want her, she wants me I want her, she wants me I want her, she wants me
2: well here's the other thing about that song. So that song was written by Rod Argent. It was covered by Wayne Fontana and the Mind Benders a year before it was put on Odyssey. So they actually had a hit with it. Before Odyssey came out, I went and I listened to the cover. Uh, I like Wayne Fontana and the was pretty well. Their cover is not as good as the Zombies version, unless you like his voice better than Collins. <laughs> but it could easily have been another Monkey song with a bit of a Turtles "ba ba 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 ba" at the end.
0: Chris White, as Jeff mentioned, is super strong, uh, super song, super strong song writer on this album. There's two. Uh, songs on on the first side that we should mention. One I, I like an awful lot. It's Beechwood Park, uh based on a on a real place that uh White visited as a as a youth. But again, it's very moody organ, laid back drumming, some very haunting harmonies and the uh, the tremolo guitar throughout, uh some wonderful lyrics on Beechwood Park. Beechwood Park and maybe a little a rose for Emily is where some of the maybe Kinks influence comes in. This apparently, the head,
2: apparently, the headmistress mistress of Beechwood Park, which is a girls' school, threatened them with a lawsuit for having used the name. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it never went, it, nothing ever came of it.
1: That seems though it's, it's not like they slandered it. I, I, I think we all would kind of like to go to Beechwood sure. Park, it seems like a really nice place. <laughs> it's like it's like strawberry fields, you know, like you wouldn't want to go there, too. Do you remember
3: golden days? golden summer sun The sound of laughter in our ears And the breeze as we would run And the breeze would touch your hair Kiss your face And make you care About your world Your summer world And we would count The evening stars As the day grew dark In the beach with My mind, take me back in my mind And I can't forget you, won't forget you, won't forget those days And then I know...
0: Jeff Loves Brief Candles, too, which is also on on the first uh, side of this record. Um, It's a great song, but what really makes it for me is that piano playout fade for the last 30, 25 seconds or so of the tune after it's all said and done. That just really makes it for me, and and, all these songs we've mentioned that Chris White wrote on this record are are fantastic except the one that jeff already talked about is really a kind of a star turn for him in terms of songwriting Uh, he fills up this album with great stuff
1: i mean the thing about brief candles that that i'm uh just fascinated by is how i think it's it's a, a wonderful like it's a set of miniatures, you know, like miniature portraits, like the way they ha- used to have. I guess maybe it was in the Victorian era where you would unfold this little triptych and you'd have like a little picture here, a little picture in the center, and then a little picture on the right, and they could fold in and fold out. That's what I think of when I think of brief candles, because it's these different verses, and they're all talking about, you know, how you know relationships that have fallen apart. And how everybody's just sitting there, kind of sometimes in their cups or, you know, maybe just, you know, around the fireplace or something like that, thinking about what they've lost. The lyric is so well observed. You know, th- that opening line where he, he writes, you know, there she sits, her hands are held tight around her glass. She only needs to be alone. She knows this mood will pass. And then that line, you know, that she was strong and he too weak to stay. And she's going to realize that she's better off this way. And then the chorus, which I just think is, again, you're talking about a subject that is so cliched, that is so done a billion times, and has been done by everybody and will be done by everybody until the heat death of the universe. <laughs> um, the way that he writes, brief candles in her mind, brighten tiny gems of memory. I love that line. That's just the way that you think about, you know, relationships, things that you cared about in the past that didn't work out. There are good memories. They're small. Sometimes it almost seems like they're fading away. They're receding into the distance. But those brief candles, they burn so fine. They leave a light. Inside, where you can still see. It's so smart. It's such a thoughtful lyric, and it's such a beautiful song, and the way Colin sings that with a breathy voice of his, that's sort of the trademark of the zombies, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's haunting to me, and it has haunted me ever since I first heard it.
3: In the corner, see his face A man just sips his drink Not one feeling does he show Far too numb to thin does not say a single word, no word of love to say Maybe he will soon believe he's better off this way
2: I love this song uh, it strikes me a little bit as a moody blues type song before yeah. the Moody's were making this kind of music exactly uh, yeah it has a psychedelic aspect to it although uh, they, the zombies claim uh, rod Argent in particular he never used drugs he thought that uh, he didn't he didn't believe in altering mind that way it was a bad way to alter one's mind and so this was they could they could achieve psychedelic status without the use of stimulants apparently
0: <laughs> and b- before we get to the big one um I guess well, there are two Tays- big ones. Right. We
2: haven't we haven't
0: even talked about <laughs> Carousel 44 yet. Well, I was going to leave that for the end and, and just mention Time of the Season, which well, is another both big ones, one. They're both right? big ones, but people know Time of the Season certainly. Um if not, uh she's not there, Time of the Season would be their biggest track. Uh that th- that people certainly know. Uh, it wouldn't become a hit in the US until about a year after the album was released to get proof that they were just ahead of their ahead of their time. But this like those first two singles we talked about, very jazzy in nature, much like some of that earlier work. I mean, just picture this song and think of all the little pieces that you know, right? I mean the the recurring size, um that that big bold bass line, um, you know, the the backing vocals, you know, is he rich, all those places. Uh and you have this juxtaposition very nice between these very controlled Verses where everything is exactly where it should be and needs to be, and then the kind of freak out organ solos from Rod Argent in time of the season. Um, it's just one of those tracks, I don't know, it pops in my mind at the strangest times those little pieces that are so carefully placed and arranged in this song to make it so successful.
3: What's your name? What's your name? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy here is? Is he rich like me. Oh, yeah. Has he taken any time 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 to show show you what you need to live? Tell it to me slow.
1: thing about time of the season that i love is the preternatural swagger of it remember these are still kind of like you know gawky uh, british kids from st albans right all right and what that song is basically think about it it's a rewrite of summertime Thematically, right? Summertime has that sort of sexual tension to it, that sort of, you know, sort of humid, you know, kind of eroticism, frankly. And this is what's the time of the season when love runs high? Give it to me easy. Um, But there's also like great lyrics, a lyric that, like, i i just i'm kind of always amused that like rod arjun wrote what's your name who's your daddy is he rich is he rich like me um that's that's some braggadocio all right and it always plays well and then you realize just how like you know how british these kids were and it's like how did they come up with that it's such a good song
2: well i that every time i hear Anybody say, Who's Your Daddy? Yeah. I think, I think of this song. What's your name? Who's your daddy? It's the first time I ever heard that expression. I don't even know where that expression came from exactly and all you know what it was supposed to mean originally. I know what it's supposed to mean now. Um, and um, I, I just love that line. Here's another cool thing about this. So apparently, you know, there's this line, try with pleasured hands. Where did that line come from? It was Rod's mishearing of a line in Smokey Robinson's Tracks of My Tears. <laughs> the line... The line was, and actually, I've listened to it. It seems pretty clear to me, but of course, I'm listening to it on really good, st- uh, you know, earphones, right? If if you look closer, it's easy to easier to trace, is the line, and he somehow heard try with pleasured hands, and then when he <laughs> found out what the actual lyric was, he said he was really disappointed, and so he said, "But I'm going to use that lyric. I'm going to use that in a song." So then, um, that's what that's where that came from. Yeah, it's such a good song,
1: Scott. Um, the question is, is uh, who wants to? do their first ode to the glories of a song about writing a letter to your sweetheart who was in prison, probably <laughs> for murder, maybe for drug smuggling. We don't know.
0: We don't know. And will be released soon.
2: Care yeah, of she's coming home.
0: Care of Cell 44 is the first track on Odyssey and Oracle. And again, uh, Jeff, Jeff promoted this on Twitter before I had first heard it as being the song that, uh, well, I don't want to steal what you're going to say, but it's a song you wish you wrote and it's just perfect and and I, I i I wish I could say he was wrong because it's fun to say Jeff's wrong, but he's not um, thanks Scott yeah he he's not uh, this is this is just such a perfect, perfect song from start to finish. How many different ways uh can can they grab you and shake you by the lapels? um you know, it's an argent song, and you, you hear you know Brian Wilson influences McCartney influences all the way through, uh but still but still original some wonderful melodic bass playing from chris white going on here um and who can deny that burst of the chorus after that that very beach boys esque uh, you know bum 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 into this explosion of you know feels so good this arrangement is just pristine um and the lyric you know the lyrics is is we mentioned about uh, a girlfriend in prison is going to be coming home and some of them i mean it's played so straight though you know we'll get to know each other a second time then you can tell me about your prison stay like okay
1: it, it, it's it works. a reveal it's a yeah. reveal so like so like you know you, you're thinking like what's going on you listen to the the, the lyric, good morning to you i hope you're feeling better baby and then all of a sudden you know, like like the little hands come in like maybe this isn't the normal kind of you know, song that you're expecting, and then all of a sudden at the end of that verse, and then you can tell me about your prison stay, and it's it's like punchline time, right? It's what I love about that.
0: Yeah, um, and then again, so many of these zombie songs, Randy mentioned very early, two and a half minutes. I think this one's closer to three fifteen, something like that. But uh, every every second is is placed, uh, pristine.ly Everything fits where it's supposed to be at the end of the song you have like one more wordless chorus that comes back uh before it sort of fades out uh it's so fresh sounding even today listen to the first 15 seconds or so of carousel 44 it it, it could be it could have been released by virtually any band today and it would sound it would still sound fresh uh it's just a marvelous marvelous song
2: I have two comments on odyssey and oracle um i don't have anything to add to care of self uh, 44 because i don't think i could do it justice the way jeff did if you if if we're ready to move on um i I mean first of all is like i I urge you i'm going to lobby for you to drop in the interview on the bbc with the zombies before the albums were released because they're being interviewed and they it's clear the interviewer knows they've broken up they're they're breaking up and he's saying well you're broken up and he goes well yeah well we never really you know got what we wanted to do um and 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 then he said well what about this new album you have when did that come out he goes they said well it hasn't come out yet what do you mean it hasn't come out yet? don't you think you might want to stick together as a band until it comes out and you see how it does and they said well you know if it does well we can always kind of handle that when it comes along but it it to have it in their own words being challenged by a BBC interviewer about why they're broken up before their album comes out I think it's kinda cool I hear you've all split up then
3: yeah now well you know we've been uh, slogging away for three and a half years and uh, we got a new record uh, deal you know a little while ago when we were producing our own records and things and Mm -hmm. we thought uh, we'd give this a go and in fact we've produced an LP you know which is coming out soon and done all the cover and everything on it yeah and um, This hasn't, you know, the last record was from the LP and nothing happened to it, so... uh, How long has the LP been out? No, it's out on, on the 19th, in actual fact. Well, wouldn't it be better to wait until the LP is maybe a huge success and then decide whether to go? Well, if the help is a huge success, then maybe we come back again. Come back in again. Okay.
1: Oh well. Yeah, I think I think it's Kenny
2: Everett who's interviewing them. He's he's a really famous BBC interviewer. Um, And and then Rod Argent goes on to talk about this new band he's going to do. So it's a nice transition to Argent as well. (laughs) It
1: it is. But before we transit to that new band, I just I gotta emphasize to people, uh, we talked about I don't know maybe like seven, eight of the songs on, uh, Odyssey and Oracle. Uh, every other one is also a gem. And then I'm going to like actually seek to find reasons to drop clips of them into this podcast. That's how much I love this album. And I want you to love this album. I mean, the thing about the zombies is that it, even the stuff that they didn't reach that, that zombie heaven boxed set has like a third disc, Um, uh, and it's just outtakes things that, that were unreleased. Uh, Demos that they you know that that Rod Argent and Chris White were doing when they were basically preparing the, the path for what would become the band Argent this stuff holds up so amazingly sturdily that it, it, it almost shocks me like there's like random b-side it was the b-side of time of the season it's called I'll call you mine it's gonna be in my top five at the end of the show and I didn't even mention it these songs are so great this band was so great it's just criminal that people will sometimes think of them and I said think of them in the same way as like well the zombies and the trogs, and like you know you know the pretty things or whatever you know just like as a band that didn't really you know do anything just one of those 60s bands no this band had artistry it had power there is so much to love in here I mean they have outtakes like Walking in the Sun Walking in the Sun is a fantastic song yeah, they recorded it in 1964 It's an incredible song. It's as good as anything that McCartney was writing in 1964. You've probably never heard it. Maybe today you will hear it. Gosh, this was a great band, and it just—it it didn't succeed. It didn't make it. Failure so was. It, what, what's what's the? I think Oberlin College was famous for opening uh, like a, a separate part of their, um, you know, their, uh, you know, student affairs uh, called "Failure to Launch." Uh, like, why were Oberlin graduates having trouble like finding jobs in the real world? Well, the Zombies are the classic example of failure to launch. Hmm through no through no fault of their own. This music is fantastic, uh, but because there was no success, um, what happened is that they just said, well, you know, forget it. You know, we're, we're going to do something else. And so the core of the band, they're, they're all friends. In fact, you know, Colin Blunstone, the lead singer, went off to do his, his solo album. It's a pretty good solo album. First one, at least, uh, in 1972. And, of course, all the other band members came back to, like, write songs and play for him and all that stuff. But the core of the band, of course, was Rod Argent, the keyboardist and songwriter, and Chris White, the bassist and the other major songwriter. And they said, screw it, we're going to just do something new. And and they were very serious about trying to do something new because they said, well, with with this, you know, writing within the pop framework, within the strictures of the pop song structure. It's not working for us clearly commercially. We've had no success. So what they did is that they they formed a new band. They called it Argent because Chris White actually wasn't going to perform it. He was just going to write the songs for it. He didn't want to perform anymore. Um, so Argent, of course, is you know one of the lead singers, not the only lead singer. They bring in another guy. Um, and of course the keyboardist. And what you get is a band that On their first album, at least, you can definitely still see the continuity between The Zombies and Argent. But from that point onward, it takes a very different turn. And a turn into, uh, hey, I am the progressive rock fanatic on this show. Uh, So (laughs) I really like Argent because I like prog rock and I like art rock. But it's, it's, it's it's as far from time of the season as you could imagine.
2: Before we do that, can I just uh, plug? Also uh, underscore your recommendation of "I'll Call You Mine." I was going to mention that as a fantastic song. Mm-hmm. Hard to hard to believe it's a, a B side. Um, uh, and then I would I just wanted to plug also uh, if it don't work out. Yeah, which is, which is the song they wrote for Dusty Springfield. She asked them while they were on tour together to write a song. Well, she still Recording that gets put on uh, uh, in 1969 um, was actually recorded many many years early. I do think that the Dusty Springfield version is better, so you might want to listen to that too. But it's a great song. And then finally, I'll say "Don't Cry for Me," um, which was a, a nice little rocker with a really chugging guitar line during the chorus. And and again, it's incredible. That song was laying in their vaults since 1965. It didn't get planned to be released till 69. Um, it just was sitting there. Nothing happened to it.
1: So many good songs that they actually were going to put out an all a posthumous album called "R.I.P." <laughs> you know, which is a great, actually kind of a great album name for a band called the Zombies, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, they never got around to doing it. Yet. I think it's only like, <laughs> they got, got a Japanese release in 2009 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, you know, all that stuff remained in the vaults, and so what we're left with is the you know the transition from. You know, the zombies, this great, lost, forgotten, neglected pop band to Argent. And in fact, the the funny thing is, is that when time of the season became a big hit, uh, you know, thanks to, I guess, Al Cooper, uh, who keeps popping up in in our shows for just the randomness. Two weeks in a row. He's been in our Skinner show. He's been in our Dylan show. The guy gets around. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was a big zombies fan and he pushed them in America. Time of the season got to like number one. And uh, everyone's like, well, bring back the zombies. And they're like, no. No, we're not doing that. We're we're on. We're doing Argent now. This is Argent. This is what we're we're into, and, and what is Argent? Argent is uh, it's still built around fundamentally built around Rod Argent's keyboards and his piano. Not just piano, but also organs mm-hmm. and basically any anything that has keys. <laughs> You're gonna hear it on, on an Argent album. Well, maybe not and, an accordion. Yeah, it, it will. You know what? Actually, there is a accordion on at least one Arkansas. So so there you go. Even that. I think it's like Christmas for the free has our accordion on it if I recall. But uh yeah, so this is Prague and this is this is a completely different take on the on, you know, like what you thought they were as songwriters. Um but I also have to admit, because again, as I'm a prog rock nerd, I really love it. So I guess, you know, we want to start there's there's about five, six albums in this discography. It's a pretty brief discography. But I do want to do it some justice because, again, this is probably even less known. than The zombie stuff is it had you know they had that one hit, and then they had that song, that Kiss covered that was played at the end of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, that's where I heard it first. That's exactly right. God gave rock and roll to you two, um, but uh, I think that's actually they're actually a really great band. Uh, so, um, what do you, Scott? Maybe you want to open it up because I know you're the one who's yeah. the most ambivalent about this. What do you think of the first Argent album from 1969?
0: Well, yeah, I I I, uh, I think these these first two are 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 worthwhile, and uh, I know I know Randy really likes the the two following that. So this first one in in 69, um, I I think it's worth seeking out, with the caveat that um, man, it sounds like it's recorded in a garbage dump. Um, it, it just <laughs> sounds the sound is bad, the audio is bad. It's not the band's fault necessarily, but. You know, there's hiss all over the place. And, uh, it there's sound. a lot of
1: tape hiss. Yeah, I noticed yeah, that a too. A ton right of tape hiss.
0: But um, you, have, you, have, um, you have Argent and then uh, Ross Ballard, or Russ Ballard, who uh, plays guitar and, and sings, and the, they pretty much split the songwriting pretty much 50-50 on most of these albums. Uh, Jim Rodford plays bass. He'd later be in the, the Kings for a while, and... And so on this. Kim Rutherford,
1: incidentally, is basically like a quasi-zombie. He was a big friend of the mm-hmm. band. He was the guy who drove them to gigs and stuff like that. So, you know, it, there's a lot of continuity between these two bands.
0: They, they'd continue the uh the zombies trend of having other bands do their songs and have hits. Uh on this first album is a song called Liar, which was written by Ballard. Um and Three Dog Night would have a much bigger hit with it. Again, essentially in the same sort of arrangement that you hear on this this album. There are a couple of songs here that I Actually do like an awful lot. Uh Dance in the Smoke is an Argent tune. That might be my favorite Argent song from all of these albums. Uh this very bubbly organ part that Argent plays, almost an I don't want to say totally atonal, but it's an odd sounding guitar solo. It's almost a song that you could hear like a modern day indie rock band putting on. It's just really curious and it works well and, and sort of goes toward Argent's desire at times to to push things uh farther i like dance in the smoke an awful lot (laughs) I think the last song of the album is called bring you joy uh another argent white tune it kind of sneaks up on you uh and 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 takes it takes a, a minute or two to get going and, and, and then really become something special great vocal performance uh, on this one um there's some wonderful piano work just straight piano work from from uh, from argent and that last little piano sounds like it could be played in a smoky little nightclub that's the vibe i get from bring you joy towards the end. There's a couple other nice, you know, schoolgirls, a nice song. Um, uh, the, the, the like honey's all right. You know, there are a couple of really nice parts on Ring of on, on Argent, this first album. Ring a hands to the next one, um, but yeah, dance of the smoke for me is the takeaway. That could be my favorite Argent song of all.
1: I mean, I, well, actually, you were going to say, Randy?
2: Oh yeah, I was just going to say. Um, I'll just go through the ones I was going to talk about. Liar, which is a great song, but. If, I mean, I, I'm not going to make it. on It's not going to make it the top five because the Three Dog Night version was virtually note for note, almost identical. And I just can't. It's, I can't get put a top five song that's really a Three Dog Night song, even <laughs> though that Rod Argent wrote it. You've taken my life. Um so that it's another sad thing. I I too liked um Dance in the Smoke. I also like uh, Bring You Joy. Um I, I want to I just think I like the same songs that uh, you guys did. Um and I love this line in Bring You Joy. I will make you feel so happy you will die. <laughs> it's it's a very kind of an ominous promise, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I always thought that, like, I, in fact, I even made this joke to Scott earlier. It's in my notes that, like, you know, "Dance in the Smoke" is is but six and a half minutes long, and it feels like it's only three minutes long because it's such an interesting song, and it 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 does such a wonderful job of developing its way through all of its themes. It's so I think so wonderful in that respect. And then right after it. You have Lonely Hard Road, which is four minutes long, and it feels like it might as well be 25 <laughs> minutes long.
0: That's the worst I song on the album.
1: I hate that song. Walking down a lonely hard road, walking down a lonely hard road, walking down a lonely hard road until you just want to stab a fork into your brain because it's just <laughs> ee, it's a cringe moment for this band. Uh, but I think the rest of this album is actually really quite great. I, I don't really have any other you know, problems with the, the songs. Um I guess my only problem with the first Argent album is that it's not as good as the second Argent album. And here is where I suspect that me and Scott will disagree, because I am the prog nerd, and <laughs> I he not. is not the prog fan. And I think that Ring of Hands is awesome, and it is obviously their most proggy album ever. They're, I'll admit it, we never need to hear another friggin' Tolkien-based song. So yes, Lothlorien, just the title alone <laughs> will make you cringe yes it's about the stupid land of the elves from the lord of the rings Ugh. but the song itself actually really good seven and a half that was probably closer to eight minutes long oh man i love that piano i love all the keyboard proggy stuff i These, these albums you know scott complains of course that he thinks that they, they sound like they were produced in dumpsters um uh, I, I don't know if they sound like they were produced in dumpsters or perhaps the the real problem is that some of my favorite early 70s prog albums were also produced in dumpsters uh because i think it sounds to me almost like like a dead ringer for like early genesis albums i'm a huge genesis genesis is as people who listen to the show know they're literally my favorite band of all time that's the number one for me um uh and so this sounds to me like ring of hands sounds like nursery crime or foxtrot like one of those records Yeah, it's it's like it it still sounds a bit like zombies do adult prog and i think that's a good thing i'll say this that i always have a preference i found for the songs where rod is singing in his like weedy high voice his weedy shy guy Mm -hmm. voice um Maybe that's because, of course, I started off as a Zombies fanatic before I got into Argent. Um, But also, I think it's because he usually takes the lead on the songs that he writes. And the songs that he writes are more in that tradition than the songs that Ballard writes. Ballard writes a lot of the hits, frankly, that Argent had. But I really like the nerdy stuff myself.
2: I denounce myself. I denounce (laughs) myself here on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, On this album, I think the only song I, I would make note of is Chained. I thought that was a great song. It sounded the harmonies again remind me of Three Dog Night. me think that maybe you guys would want to do with you not with me but with someone else do a three dog night uh podcast because if you go down the list of all the songs they've covered and all the songs they yeah. played it's really quite a hit parade they had um, but actually i will say i didn't know these albums existed before i got asked to do this podcast um, my Argent exposure began with all together. I'll talk about that when we get there. And, uh, although I think these albums are, are good and I think people will enjoy listening to them. I recommend them. I will probably never listen to them again. (laughs) Uh,
1: I've loved that keyboard solo on pleasure. That's the song's called pleasure. It's just magnificent. It's like four and a half minutes, uh, not four and a half minutes. It's like, you know, the the song itself is four and a half minutes, but there's this moment where Argent just breaks off and then does his thing. Uh, Uh, I, I'm a I'm a dork for keyboards and progressive rock. I'm just I, this is who I have been, and I accept this fact <laughs> since I was 16 years old. But yeah, you know, like this is this is them at their 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 proggiest and their least commercial, and it certainly isn't you know you know any you know this is not where they got famous, but they where they got famous with, with is of course the next album altogether now, and that of course has their their one big hit single that will still get played on the radio, as Scott pointed out. Hold your head up. Hey, we're coming up next after the break with some Argent, and you you know that it, it's gonna be Hold Your Head Up, which by the way, like is a six and a half minute long song. So I, I've never heard the single edit of it. I assume that they probably did they do. something it's horrible. Like
0: three and a half or something.
1: I, I assume it was something brutal. It was the equivalent of like, you know, a butcher just chopping legs off or something like that, procrusty in bed and all that. But I think it's a great song. This is that's a ballard song, actually. That's not an origin song i believe so that is a really great song and i and i like this song too but here's the thing again Proc dork that i am i like that stupid 13 minute long suite at the end uh, pure love fantasia <laughs> prelude finale like you probably hear that and or you see it written on the back of a record label and you probably roll in your eyes if you're like 99 percent of the human populace uh, but if you're me you're like hmm Maybe has some tasty licks in there, doesn't it?
0: See, whenever... And it does. I got to tell you, whenever I see... This is... Whenever I see something Roman like... Roman numerals. Roman numerals is a bad right. sign. Whenever I like, see Roman numerals, what I think of is the... Is, I think it's Chicago 4. Chicago. Oh, God, and yeah. and they well, have that, a suite a where it, it must be over soon part one it must be over soon part two it must be over soon part three that's what i think <laughs> about when i see roman numerals <laughs> on the back of a record sleeve it must be or over also soon so
2: every single chicago album well i i love this album this was the album i fell in love with as a college student listening to it in the dorm um, don't know how I heard about it. Didn't know it connected up with zombies in any way, shape, or form. Didn't like it's something that Nicolespie said on your podcast on the birds. Back in those days, we didn't have the internet. We didn't. They didn't give you any information on the albums of who any of these people were, unless you were an unbelievable music nerd, which I was not. You didn't know any of this stuff. You. These are just music that just hits you. And if and 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 I didn't know there was any connection between Rod Argent and the Zombies. I know it now. Uh, But if I were going to recommend to the audience that they, you know, want to introduce themselves to the the zombies, I would start with, I personally would start with this album. I would, this album is what sold me. I believe it's what will sell you. It starts off amazingly with hold your head up um, and a fantastic, uh, amazing Rod Argent uh, solo. And I think that song has the best uh, uh, chord progression uh, the best single chord progression of any rock and roll song. It comes out of the solo just when they're going right, they're coming back from the solo, there's a pause there, and now they're going to come and sing the final closing bars of the song. And it's a nine chord descending um, group of chords that looks like there's going to find a bottom and they don't find a bottom and it doesn't find a bottom and there is no bottom and eventually <laughs> they come out of it. And it's just to me, I get chills uh, when I, and I will start listening to that song at that point just so that I can hear that chord progression.
0: I would, uh, well, I'll put it this way. I would not start here with Together Now um, to, to kind of dig into uh, to the zombies and, and Argent. Um, I don't, I don't, by this point, by these two albums, what I hear is, is Ballard and, and Argent almost drifting away in the way they want to, to write and perform music. And uh, the albums don't hold together all that well. Together Now and In Deep, the next two, for me, all that well. All together now has stuff like Keep On Rolling and He's a Dynamo, which I'm not really a big fan of. Uh Tragedy, I don't mind. It's a ballard tune, a pretty funky rhythm, nice bass organ interplay. You uh, know,
1: it, it's very weird that tragedy I, I have a secret theory about this song, which is that the bee that the BGs actually did rip this song off it's for possible. their song sort of Tragedy. Yep. They sound they sound alarmingly similar with that same kind of tragedy hook. And I know that they're not actually quarterly the same song. There's no lawsuit here. (laughs) Um, But I can never hear the one without thinking of the other. I actually do like that song a lot.
0: Still, a feeling, you know, Robin Thicke style, and
1: uh, well, well, that that apparently was lawsuit worthy. It, which I consider to be a disgrace of yes. IP law, yeah. but I, that's a subject. <laughs> that's a for a completely different cast. day.
2: <laughs> well, I want to make a case for pure love at the end. Um, uh, this is a song that, for whatever reason, appealed to my. Uh, I guess I was. I guess I was still a teenager then. I was probably turning twenty, um, and I just played that song over and over again, especially the pure love movement four of this, uh, this piece. Um, and I didn't know why I liked it so much. And it's only, and I, I don't play guitar anymore. I, I haven't played guitar since high school, but I did start playing the drums about five years ago. I take lessons at Seven Drum City uh, in D.C. I've been doing it for the last five years. And when I, when I went to listen to this song again, I realized what makes Pure Love so amazing is the drum part. It is the best drum part of any rock song i know it is solid drum the entire way so complicated so difficult no way i can't even i can't even uh, hope to ever play anything like this um and um it, it, you know what it, it, the way the best way i could put this was it's like a drum solo to which they put lyrics You know how you break the song and now the drummer's going to do his great solo? This is like, the whole thing is like a drum solo, and then they put lyrics to it. And I think that's the reason why that song is so special, and I can't think of another song like it that's drum driven.
1: As I said already, it's like you know, I, I, I'm totally on board for like a 13-minute long, largely instrumental uh, uh, music opus. That's 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 what Jeff Blair is here to do <laughs> on political beats. Um, I, I I like that album, and, and 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 not only that, but like this is this is why you know Scott said he wasn't really in, into these these later Origin albums, but man, I, I've always liked that one, and I've really always liked In Deep as well. And the funny thing is, that I I don't really care. For for God gave rock and roll to you you know uh, it's but so, I do th-
0: it's so big and clunky and it's so perfect that kiss covered it yeah for, it uh, is it is it is it Bill was almost sort I of mean,
1: destined to be a kiss song
0: you can it? you can see the you know the, the pyrotechnics exploding in concert as you listen to <laughs> God gave rock and roll to you
1: okay but I'll tell you this I'll tell you this okay I, I think Ballard my favorite song that, that that Russ Ballard brought to argent is it's only money all right part one like or part two both part, well, part. I, I would actually, I would actually take part one, uh, and uh, but I think part two is, is equally as good.
0: I like part two, and of two. course,
1: you know, now that we're talking about Prague, we're talking about songs that have multiple parts. Um, but it's only morning, part one. That's a really good song, uh, but then again, I do ultimately say that the second half of this album, which is dominated by Origin uh, and White, uh, that's where I, I think that Be Glad. Uh, I think that's one of the most fantastic. Uh, keyboard performances that that Rod Argent has ever given. I absolutely adore every moment where he takes center stage on that song. I guess that if you don't have a taste for this kind of music, then maybe, you know, de gustavus non as dispute tandem, right? You know, I'm not going to tell you that you're supposed to like something that that you don't like, but you should like this song because I think it's really excellent.
2: I totally agree. Um, I In Deep was the other album I owned as a kid in in college. I, I remember the covers from both of these albums very, very well. I the only disagreement I think we've strong disagreement I've had with you guys since the beginning of the show is I think God gave rock and roll to you is a great song I love that song I would it's I think it's an all time great rock song but maybe my theory is that you've been influenced by the Kiss version because <laughs> I, I, I I watched I, Bill and Ted's bogus journey one too many times. Yeah, I listen to the Kiss version, and it's not very good. It's no. just very good so it, but if you listen to the original this is one of the very one of those times in which the cover really doesn't do justice to the original oftentimes the cover is great of their their songs but i think the and then you know you have the little interlude in the middle god gave rock and roll to you the way they did it i think it was superb i love this song your your listeners are going to side with me they're going to love the song too <laughs> I do want to say that Be Glad, and it's going to make my top five, but Be Glad um, is an amazing song. I listened to it on the kayak today. Again, I listened to it in the eight minutes before we signed on to do this program, to do my psych up for doing this show. Um, I love the piano in the middle. Lots of times Arjun's playing organ. He plays organ on this song, too. But he has a great piano solo in the middle. It's very classical, but then he pivots to kind of a Gershwin thing it is i love this song i think this is the perfect argent song if there if there weren't two other songs getting in the way (laughs) i would maybe make this my number one and finally i just want to i just want to uh pitch christmas for the free um oh dang it dang it i was gonna do that (laughs) i really really like this song i say this is the ultimate beatles christmas song that the beatles never made um, it could easily have been a Beatles song, and it, uh, it uh, in a later Beatles, ep, and it was. It's just, it, it's an, enough to make a Jewish boy envious. Um, uh, <laughs> that's and that's that's saying a lot.
1: Well, I mean, it, it, of course, you know, it, it's one of those Christmas songs that, of course, has like a twist. You know, what's it like? You know, joy to the world at Christmas. But then meanwhile, the promises and the bodies are broken. Jesus it was bloody in this winter wonderland. <laughs> something like that. I
3: want to be loved and I can't be crying all the while. Oh, I need someone to smile for just. The world at Christmas, mm-hmm. love to the four.
1: But, uh, it's it's a beautiful song actually and, and that's the thing like you know I, I don't understand what, why Scott is, is is clearly just so toned out because I actually <laughs> think that I think these are really really good songs it's really good music and I think one of the things I enjoy the most about it is that it is still in this day when everything has been sort of re-excavated and uh, <clears throat> you know held up by pitchfork media or you know you know it, you know, Stereo Gum or whatever name your your music website, you know, where they 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 find old gems that you have to go appreciate. Not a lot of people really know anything about Argent, but I'm telling you, there's
0: a lot of really good
1: music on these albums. Sort of like you know, again, it's 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 the zombies have been saved. They got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like they probably don't need our advocacy anymore, but there are a lot of really great Argent <laughs> songs that people don't know about. And
2: I also want to remind everybody, they're still performing. They're still touring. Yeah. And, and one of my great... Well, nobody's touring right now. Not at but, the moment. Uh, no, yeah. they, 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 were, they were, you know, they... Here's one of I have three great regrets of performances that I've missed. The first one was I was driving up to Wisconsin back at, way back in the day, and I saw at a roadside uh, bar that Roy Orbison was billed as playing there, and I didn't stop. Oh, man. Roy Orbison. This is before he had his comeback, before Traveling Wilburys, before he had his solo albums. But I saw that and I didn't go there. One day I picked up the newspaper and I saw that out in Joliet. Cary Grant was going to come and do a reading and do a show in a Joliet theater. I didn't go to that. And the other thing is I didn't go here – The uh, Zombies tour play Odyssey and Oracle last year where they did the 50th anniversary of it as a tour. They did the whole album and I didn't go hear that either. So those are my three great regrets of not going to hear a performance I should have gone to hear.
1: So these last few Argent albums, they break up in 1976, but the, but the last few almost feel like, you know, we talked about there seemed to be some sort of battle or splitting apart you know, between Ballard and between the the sort of Rod Argent Chris White nexus about, you know, which kind of band it was going to be. It feels like on Nexus, the album that, you know, that, that Ballard won on uh on in deep and then argent and white one on nexus because the first three songs on the album are all instrumentals They're just prog instrumentals i mean this is a song literally called the coming of kohotek do people know what Kohotek is anymore? The the comet Kohotek. It's like one of the biggest disappointments I think in sort of uh, you know the stargazing history, where we all thought it was going to be this brilliant thing that that showed up in the in the sky and we would all enjoy watching it, but then it turned out to be like a big piffle. It, it was nothing, you know. Um, this is a thing that happened back in the seventies. I think REM actually also wrote a song about it called Kohotek. It's on a Slice for his Life. yet. No, no, it's on Fables of the Reconstruction, actually. Um, But, like, yes, this is prog music in its, you know, probably purest form. You know, when there's just purely instrumental stuff, no vocals. And uh, I actually like Nexus a lot as an album. Again, because I like instrumental music that is done well and executed correctly. It is not, however, like an essential album. And Ballard leaves the band after this, presumably because they were you know at loggerheads about the direction the group would go and you know that that takes you to the end of Argent but i don't know if you guys have any particular thoughts about these last few records
0: i don't I don't either.
1: Just <laughs> it's just you, Jeff. No. Well, I, I already told you my thought. Hey, listen, I'm I'm the guy. I'm the guy who would actually stand for keeper of the flame and like you know you know talk about. I really like Infinite Wanderer as an instrumental, but again, yeah, that's I just make, kind I of couldn't, couldn't make myself listen to it. Couldn't. I try. Well, I think I it's try. okay. I think it's okay. But now, what do we want to do when we talk about the sort of the the latter era, the 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 afterlife? Oh well, wait the shambling zombie afterlife of the zombies. Because of course they weren't appreciated in their time and yet people eventually found them and realized how great that they were and brought them back and so the zombies ended up recording a couple of albums, reunion albums. I don't I think they're of dodgy quality. I'm always skeptical of these sorts of projects. It's just just a bad idea, I think, in general, to try to recreate magic that was, you know, of its time and it existed in a moment. And there were tensions that can't be recreated, you know, sort of artistic, you know, people pinging off of one another. It's never going to be as good as it was. Uh, I think there may have been like two or three of these sorts of live albums or not live albums, but uh, reunion albums, studio albums that were worthy. I don't think any of the Zombies ones uh, rank among them. But I don't want to be a jerk and step over others who might have different opinions. Randy, do you have any thoughts on the on the later era of the Zombies?
2: Yeah, well, I think Breathe In, Breathe Out is a, is a good album. Um, it is, it's not where I would start with the Zombies, but after you hear them perform live which i have then you want to hear the and they play some of this stuff you want to hear it on an album then you hear this and i think it's got good solid stuff to go with it it's a it's a very listenable pleasant album Um, um and i listen to it sometimes it also has christmas for the free uh that's on there um so that's a great song that i like from argent i don't know if that's even a new recording of it or not i can't tell um, uh, and breathe in, breathe out is the one song on the title song is the song I would I would recommend. I only discovered the uh, the second uh, reunion album still got the hunger today. Uh, sort of embarrassingly, Spotify started playing it for me. I didn't even realize it was there. It's not bad, and, and it's not bad at all. It's it's if anything, I think it's maybe a little better. I mean, it, it, in, it definitely out.
1: benefits from the fact that like that that you know Argent and Blundstone are there together, and you know Chris White is, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if he's writing for them on this one, but, like, it, it actually feels like a Zombies album in a way, but it does also feel a bit, too. I don't know. I mean, my attitude is always, and like, one of the reasons why these reunions never work out is that they always modernize the sound,
2: and I hate that. Well, I, I want them that I, sounds like my 60s rock. <laughs> I, I like I like the tune "Edge of the Rainbow." I think it's a good blues tune. The New York tune is interesting because now that I know all about their history, I wouldn't have appreciated it before. It's a it's a tribute to their first trip to the U.S., their first tour of the U.S. Name dropping Patty Labelle and how she you know introduced him to music and stuff, and how much they love New York. And I don't think it's a great song, but I kind of like the lyrics. I like the spirit of it. And then I want you back again which is a remake of an earlier much much earlier piece right, one um, and that, about, yeah. piece that they do live and i think they do it really well live i think colin does it really well live and i guess the only other thing that i would have to talk about when you're ready is just to talk about some of their live performances live in the uk in particular this is the time yep, my friend. Go, ahead. go for the gold okay well i in, in, another w- entree to the zombies i would in, i think maybe the best way is to start with uh uh the, the box set, but there's another way in. And this is the thing that I think Jeff just said he rebels against, which is the modernification of the old stuff is to start with their live in the UK album, which is them, the modern zombies playing the original zombies. And I like it a lot. It really does capture what they're like in concert. Now, I wouldn't recommend dropping any of those songs into this program, except can't nobody love you because that's the cover song from back in the day when they played in their first tour it's still great, but it's great live. It's it's not a studio. It's not, it shouldn't be really a studio production at all. It should be a live tune, and that's the one live tune I'd recommend off this as special live mm-hmm. uh, on this show on this particular uh, disc. Yeah!
1: Listen. What I will do is I will end with an exhortation. Uh, I, I I will end by saying, please, if for some reason you listen to this show and you have not familiarized yourself with the zombies, with the work of Rod Argent, with the Argent, uh, by the way, who also, and, and I, I swore that I would make a point to rem- to mention this on the show, but I forgot until the end. You know, y- you ever like the song "Who Are You" by the Who? Uh, guess who's playing the piano on that? That's Rod Argent. Rod Argent was a friend of Pete Townsend's from back in the day, so he brought him in to to record a lot of the keyboards on that album, and I think he's actually one of the best parts of that album. Um, But if you haven't heard uh, the work that these guys did, you got to go out and find it. And, you know, it's dumb. I won't won't recommend a boxed set at the end of the show, because I always feel like that's a cheat. But I really have to say, go get Zombie Heaven. I mean, you know, I'm going to tell you to get Odyssey and Oracle when we're done here, but ignore me and just get the four dang CDs get their complete discography it it's it's not going to be something that you feel like you wasted your time on uh these guys were great they were never appreciated in their time Argent was one of those great prog bands that sort of always just bubbled under and was never properly appreciated in its time um this is wonderful music that I really do hope that everyone who's listening to the show is going to hear
2: Well, I want to close with a shout out to the zombies. I'm hoping that Rod and Colin have listened to this podcast this far. I I was going to do this in the beginning. This is too risky. Hopefully they haven't dropped off. If you're still listening, Rod and Colin, to this podcast, uh, my wife and I are going to be on the Flower Power Cruise next March. If it goes out that you're supposed to be on, I hope that I'll get a chance to meet you. We can have a drink. We can talk about your stuff. Um, um, so, this, I'm going to be, I'm going to fanboy out if I have the opportunity and at least get some pictures with you uh, next March if you go off on the uh, Flower Power Cruise.
1: Yes, but Randy, what if Rod comes up to you and he says, I hated restoring the lost Constitution? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: he might have.
0: I watched some of those videos, those 65 videos. I'm not sold. Oh. Uh... <laughs> Randy Barnett is our guest for this program on the Zombies and Argent, and we come to the point of the program in which we give to you the listener uh, the two albums you should uh, you should own from a band and the five songs you need to hear. Now it's a little different this time because of the way this show has been structured. So what we'll do for you: two albums from among the Zombies and, and Argent, and five songs from the Zombies, five songs from Argent. Again, two, two two lists for the price of one. We turn it over to our guest, uh, who is a uh, professor of legal theory at Georgetown University Law Center, Randy Barnett. You've got the floor for both your albums and your songs.
2: For both the Zombies and Argent at the same time? Yes. Okay, so... Uh, it's too late to kick me off this show, so I'm going to pick two albums from each group. Uh, my key albums are going to be for the Zombies, Begin Here, which has all the uh, 60s stuff we've talked about in Odyssey and Oracle, obviously. My five key tracks from the Zombies are going to start... Uh, I, I, I didn't put Can't Nobody Love You on because it's a cover, I'm, so I want to do only original Zombie songs. So I'm going to start with number five. That's this. Is, this will be our year. Number four, maybe after he's gone, the one that just keeps getting to me and for the three two and one i'm going to go there three big their their three hits not time of the season that's going to drop off the five number three i love you i love you and number two tell her no 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 and number one she's not there obviously that is the number one in my heart for the zombies as for argent the two albums are obviously given what you've heard me say all together now and in deep and my five origin song starts with number five Christmas for the Free, number four. Be glad, but the be, but uh, maybe that should have been number three. I'm really not sure, but it's fantastic. Pure you don't love.
1: have to rank them, Randy. We just do it. I do it chronologically.
2: Oh, okay, I so. was oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, don't I worry about break. that. All right. Well, pure love, but especially the pure love track, the vocal track. God gave rock and roll to you. Where I disagree with the rest of the gang, and hold your head up, of course.
0: All right, so for um, my two albums, they're, they're both going to be Zombies-related. One, of course, is Odyssey and Oracle. And the other one that I really think that uh, will work for you is the singles a- A's and B's, uh, the compilation. Uh, between those two, you're pretty well covered uh, with this great, great band. Uh, five songs from uh, the Zombies. Uh, is This the Dream, which we talked at length about earlier in the show. What a fantastic single. Uh, Remember You the Chris White song uh, Yak Care of Cell 44 of course Uh, Beachwood Park also from Odyssey and Oracle and then uh, I think This Will Be Our Year is also on my list of zombie songs those five there and over on the Argent side of things Dance in the Smoke from the first album and Bring You Joy Uh, I think both those end up on this list of Argent tunes Uh, Sleep Won't Help Me is one I like quite a bit Tragedy which we talked about earlier and um Oh, maybe uh we'll go with cast your spell uranus, which I don't even think we mentioned. Uh but just to prove I to... didn't
1: mention it cuz uh, okay, there was a part of me, Scott, that that, that always feels like I'm a 9-year-old yes. schoolboy laughing <laughs> at, at jokes uh, that mention uranus and yeah, that I'm Bart Simpson
2: all over again, whatever. It's your U- it's uranus now. Yeah,
1: urine. Well, that just makes it sound like urine. Instead. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's,
0: there's no, there's no winning play here. No. Cast play. your spell. That's the song. <laughs> uh, that's my fifth on the uh, on the Argent list. Uh, Jeff, over to you. Okay. Well,
1: I mean, obviously it's Odyssey and Oracle. I mean, listen, as I said, I, you buy Zombie Heaven, for Christ's sake. But the Odyssey and Oracle, it's just one of the great albums of the 60s. It's one of those albums that I've treasured ever since the day I heard it. And I'd say for Argent, In Deep, I think it's just fantastic. I, I really like Ring of Hands as well, but if I had to pick one, I might go with In Deep. Uh, my five zombie songs. This is just a this is this is the worst task that's ever been candid to me. I, I'll say "Indication," one of their singles. I'll say "She Does Everything for Me," which is the B side of uh, uh, going out of my head. Uh, Carousel 44, uh, beginning of Odyssey and Oracle. Maybe after he's gone, which is a song. That wrecks me every single time for reasons that we've already discussed. And again, I could name like every other song on the album, but I'm not going to. I'll just close by saying I'll Call You Mine, which is the B-side of Time of the Season. It wasn't even uh, you know, included on the album. should have been. I mean, gosh, I wish they would included it instead of Butcher's Tale, but my God. <laughs> the piano, the, the plonkin', plonkin' Rod Argent piano on that song and all those big, bright, brash vocals. It's everything that's wonderful and innocent and great about... Uh, uh, 60s rock and roll that uh, that you probably haven't heard. for Argent. I'll just say "Dance in the Smoke. I agree with everyone about that. Pleasure <clears throat> off of Ring of Hands. I'm a prog nerd, so you're going to notice that my choices here tend towards prog nerdery. Pure Love, the big sweet at the end of uh, All Together Now. It's Only Money, Part One, which I think is the best thing that Russ Ballard ever contributed to Argent. And uh, Be Glad, which I know Randy also loves. Uh, th- that is just a fantastic song. But uh, more than any of that, this is just, you know, Music that sometimes falls between the cracks can be, you know, as I've been insisting to people who listen to the show ever since the days of our Talk Talk podcast, is sometimes just as great as the stuff that storms up the charts and becomes, you know, famous and sells millions and millions of copies. And that's the way I feel about Rod Argent, uh, the way I feel about the zombies.
0: There you go. The political beats look at the zombies. And Argent, we think our guest. Carmack Waterhouse Professor of Legal Theory at the Georgetown University Law Center, where he directs the Georgetown Center for the Constitution, and a frequent author as well, Randy Barnett. Randy, thank you so much for joining us here on Political Beats.
2: It was my great pleasure, my great honor. I'm a fan of you guys. I I listen to the show regularly, and I'm so glad you asked me.
0: We uh, thank you for stepping up and doing the show. You can find Randy on Twitter, too, at Randy E. Barnett. Jeff, a big summer is uh, is kind of planned. I think we got things uh, sort of straight. I think we straight, have, I mean, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm, you know, like all these, I think we're kind of in our phase four reopening stage <laughs> of our summer plans here. So we may have to start tackling some big beasts again uh, on this show in the future days.
0: I uh, can find Jeff on Twitter at EsotericCD. My name is Scott Bertram, at Scott Bertram on Twitter. Please subscribe to our feed. Get those new episodes through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Plus nationalreview.com. Click on the podcast tab. Find all the fine at our podcasts, including ours. Listen, enjoy, share, leave reviews. Find us on Facebook, on Twitter as well, at political underscore beats. This has been a presentation of National Review. This is Political Beats.